0: Well, it's good to have you here this morning and I'd like to have you take your Bibles and we're going to begin by reading a quite an extensive text there in Isaiah chapter 3. And so if you turn over there, I'd like us to begin here uh, by considering Isaiah chapter 3. And uh, as we consider Isaiah chapter 3, I want to consider this thought here this morning about uh, dealing with difficulties or dealing with trials and tribulations. Again, uh, again, these this text deals with, again, Judah and Jerusalem uh, being in a very difficult state in uh, their history. And so I want to read uh, about it and uh, consider some thoughts about dealing with difficulties here today. And so let's go ahead and we'll go ahead and start reading in verse number one, and I'll read through the whole chapter. Again, just follow along as we read through the word of God. You'll see that Judah indeed is in a, a state of really country collapsing, and certainly society collapsing and morality being uh, bad and all those kind of things. And so uh, let's begin in, in verse number one. It says, For behold, the Lord, the Lord of Hosta, take away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stay, the staff, the whole stay of bread, the whole stay of water, the mighty man, the men of war, the judge, the prophet, the prudent, and the ancient the captain of 50 and the honorable men, and the counselor and the cunning artificer and the eloquent orator, and I will give children to be their princes. Babes shall rule over them, and the people shall be oppressed, even one by another and every one by his neighbor. The child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient and the base against the honorable when a man shall take hold of his brother, of the house of his father, saying, Thou clothed, clothing, be thou our ruler, and let thy ruin be under thy hand. In that day shall he swear, saying, I will be an healer, for in my house is neither bread nor clothing. Make me not a ruler of the people, for Jerusalem is ruined, and Judah is fallen. Because their tongue and their doings are against the Lord to provoke the eyes of His glory, the show of their countenance doth witness against them. They declare their sin as Sodom, to hide it not. Woe unto their soul, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. Say ye to the righteous, It shall be well with them, for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. Woe unto the wicked! It shall be ill with them, for they shall. I, for For the reward of his hand shall be given him, as for my people, children are their oppressors, women rule over them, O my people, they have led thee, caused thee to err and destroy the way of thy past. The Lord standeth up to the plead and standeth to judge the people. the Lord will enter into judgment with the ancients of his people and the princes thereof, for hath eaten up the vineyard, the spoil the poor. Is in your house? What mean ye? At what mean ye that ye beat my people to pieces and grind the faces of the poor? Saith the Lord of the hosts. Moreover, the Lord saith, because the daughters of Zion are haughty, they walk with stretched forth necks and wanton eyes, walking and mincing as they go, making a tingling with their feet. Therefore, the Lord will smite with a scab the crown of the head of the daughters of Zion. And the Lord will discover their secret parts. In that day, the Lord will take away the bravery of their tinkling ornaments and their feet and their calls and their round tires like moons, their chains, their bracelets, their muffins, mufflers, their, the bonnets, the ornaments of the legs, the headbands, the, the tablets, the earrings, the, the rings, the nose jewels, the changeable suits of apparel, and the mantles, and the wimples, and the crispy pins, and the glasses, and the fine linen, the hoods, and the veils, and it shall come to pass, that instead of the sweet smell there, shall be stink. Instead of girdle of rent, instead of well-set hair, baldness. Instead of a stomacher of girded sackcloth, a burning, instead of beauty. The men shall fall by the sword, thy mighty in war. The gate shall lament and mourn, she shall be desolate, shall sit upon the ground. I want to consider some things about difficulties, but before we do, let's go ahead and pray as we consider the word of God. Father, thank you, Lord, again for your word here today. Father, I know that uh, it seems at times that in our nation, maybe in our lives, we face difficulties that are, are certainly hard to deal with. And again, we find our text certainly a very difficult time in Judah and Jerusalem's history. And uh, we find, again, yet some hope in the text, but yet we see some realities in the text that we need to point out. Again, just bless us. Time is meteor today. Help the word of God to be a blessing to hear. Uh, We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. You know, we see in this text uh, Judah in trouble largely because of chastisement. This coming directly from God. There's no doubt in this text is this coming from God. It says in verse number one, "For behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, to take away from Jerusalem from Judah." And it goes on. It Talks about the stay, the water, the mighty men, the men of war, the judges, the prophets, the prudent, the ancient, the captain of fifty. All these kind of things. And everything you see there is valuable to a nation and a country. There's need for men, there's need for prudent men, there's need for prophets, there's need for men of war, there's need for good judges, there's good need for captains, there's need for honorable men, there's certainly need for food, and there's certainly need for provision. And these things were being taken away from Judah and Jerusalem. It talks about the state of Jerusalem and Judah here. It says in verse number 8 that Jerusalem is ruined, and Judah is fallen. You say, why? Because their tongues and their doings are against the Lord to revoke the eyes of his glory. Someone says, is God just being mean here? You know, putting Judah as a country through some difficulties that they don't deserve? No, it tells in our text why the country is in collapse. And it, again, it mentions again why there are troubles in the land. It's because their, their doings and their tongues are against the Lord. So the things they say and the things they do are against the Lord. And again, you say again, why sometimes is a country maybe uh, going through some difficulties? Why was Judah and Jerusalem going through some difficulties? It's because their sayings and their doings were both against the Lord. You know, think about America and you think about our country. How many doings and how many sayings do we have today today? That are against the Lord. How, how, how much do we see in our country done against the Lord? And the, how open are the sins against the Lord? How wicked is the tongue in the doing against the uh, Lord? In our text in verse number nine, it says, the show of their countenance does to witness against them. They declare their sin as Sodom. They hide it not. war to their soul, for they shall be rewarded for the evil unto themselves. They declare their sin as Sodom. And so just like Sodom, it was very open. If you go back to the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, very open, uh, very normal, very regular. Uh, Their sins are against the Lord. Their doings are against the Lord. And uh, it says, war unto them, for they were rewarded evil unto themselves. They earned the wages of sin. They were earning, again, what was coming on in their country. As we look at this text, we see in verse number one, they were in a state of want or lack. They were in a state of want or lack for provision. They were in a state of lack for, as far as leadership. They were in a state of lack, again, as it mentions in the first three verses. And then someone mentions again, what state were they in? Uh, Verse number four, it says, I will give them children to be their princes and babes to rule over them. So instead of uh, seasoned people or Uh, Again, older people, they were going to be given, again, that mentions their babes, uh, young people to rule over them and children to rule over them. And it mentions, again, women to rule over them. And being oppressed by this rule, you look at uh, verse number uh, 12, it says, it says, as for my people, children are their oppressors. Women rule over them. O my people, they which lead thee, cause thee to err and destroy the way of thy past. You know, if you, you know, you know it, it just, it, n- no country can do well if, again, a, pl- a place is being led to error. Oh, my people, they which lead thee cause of the error destroy the way that pass. You know, our, our leaders in this country are leading us down the wrong path. They are leading us down the wrong path. I mean, I heard about this bill that was just about to go through as far as the military bill. You know, I don't know if you understand, and I'm not trying to be political, but, you know, the Congress decided they're going to, th- instead of trying to pass one bill, like omnibus bill that they've been doing since, I think, 2009, and this is kind of political, but um, they're going to try to divide it into 12 separate bills. You know, there'd be one for funding the military, one for funding social things and all this kind of stuff, like they used to do way back in the day. And so anyways, long story short, uh, there was a bill that went through uh, that was supposed to be uh, come up and had to do with the military. And uh, I just want to say with that military bill, you know, the military that we spend every year, we spend a ton on military. And uh, whether you like that or not, we spend a lot on military. But uh, again, the bill didn't pass because in that military bill, there was just, just try to wrap your head around this figure. Maybe you could wrap around it easily, but $300 million in that military bill that was to go to a foreign country. Of course, you know who that was. For Ukraine. Can you imagine designating American dollars, 300 million of our dollars? This is just the military part of it. There's 11 more parts, but I'm just saying, 300 million dollars towards Ukraine, and we're going back 1.5 trillion dollars a year. Do we have 300 million dollars for Ukraine? Someone says, well, why didn't the Republicans go for it? There's lots of good military stuff in there. Yeah, there was great military stuff in there. But $300 million for Ukraine. I think about, again, our country, and I think about our leadership. Is it not just plain dumb? (laughs) Is it not plain just, and this is harsh, but stupid, to be spending money you do not have and sending it overseas to people in a war situation that it doesn't seem like you're looking to make peace But can you imagine us giving, just imagine, let's just say this war goes on for 10 years. Just 300 million this year, 300 million the next year, maybe 400 million, maybe we need more, maybe 500 million, maybe a trillion goes to Ukraine. Someone broke down the numbers on that and it's millions and millions of dollars a day being spent overseas. And yet, We see our country. I mean, it's our borders are trashed. Our our, our people are seeing just all kinds of weird and crazy things. My brother talks about Alaska. And I I mean, I just, just, can you imagine having a a shop and a place of business? This is just a, a Fred Myers establishment. And you have in that establishment 30 people doing security, trying to keep people from stealing and robbing you blind. And I just think about that. I just, it's just, it boggles my mind. I'm just like, how in the world can a a business have so many people uh, needed in this security situation? And my brother tells me like how people will steal. They'll go over to a, and this is just incredible to me, how how bold this is. And again, maybe this is just getting off track, but how bold and how far this is away from the truth. They'll go over to a, a piece of furniture and they'll go over to, a luggage thing, and they'll cut and snap it and, and get rid of the, you know, because you can't take that out the door, um, it, you know, because they have those little tag things, those electronic tag things, but they'll cut and snap that, and they'll take that, that, that luggage bag and they'll fill that with stuff. And they'll put that in the cart, and they'll go out the door, and some person will come up to them and say, do you, do you want to pay for that? And they'll say, no. No, I don't. Or they'll just keep walking or going and they just go out the door. And this happens, I mean, in, the, in amounts of a million dollars plus uh, going out of this store. That's what my brother Brian says. I don't know. I, I mean, I know they do a lot of business, but I'm just thinking a million dollars goes out of your store a year because of people just stealing he talks about people that bring baggage and equipment in the store and, and luggage bags into the store, and 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 and, and I heard that you know in, in Anchorage they banned Walmart from putting lockers in the store because people didn't want to use the lockers. In other words, when they had their backpacks and stuff that they want to, you know, the customer just leave that in here. Well, we got a good safe, secure place and a combination, whatever. Uh, whatever it might be. And, 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 and they say no, you can't have people do that. People need their luggage with them, whatever. But they were finding that people just steal. They just fill their bags and just walk out the door. And it, it's, it's sad. I mean, I know that, like my brother said, in one of those situations, they were confronted by a person with a gun as they were stealing stuff and walking out the store. When my brother was telling about people leaving Alaska on Anchorage and that sort of thing. I thought, I was thinking to myself, Why? I can't, can't understand why you would leak Anchorage. I'm back in the 90s. I remember I, I went there in 1990 and I saw the places and the beauty and, and all these kind of things. And, I, and now he says it's just becoming gangs and thieves and vices. It's just like a, a big city there in Anchorage. And I, I think to myself, you know, what, what is America becoming? It's becoming a nation against the Lord. I mean, our doings are against the Lord. Our thoughts are against our Lord. Our science sometimes is against the Lord. Our, 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 the, the things going on in our, our country are against the Lord. Our political parties are against the Lord. And, 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 our, and our thoughts and economics are against the Lord. And someone says, well, what's, what's wrong with all that? We're asking for God to judge someday. And God is merciful but this, this country is a place of, of bad and poor leadership. It's, a place, it's in a place now where instead of having a lot, they're, they're with little. They're in a place of fallen leadership. They're in a place of poor leadership and, and un, untested leadership. Babes rule over them. and It mentions those, those, those people ruling over oppressing some of them. I would not ever be surprised down the road to see the young people oppressed people in America. I would, And, and I don't even seem old people. people. People will oppress the people if they feel that people are not what they want them to be. It shall be well with them, though it says, for the righteous. It's not going well for them now, but it says it shall be well with them. It says in verse number 10, it says, say to the righteous that it shall be well with them For they shall eat the fruit of their doings. And for the righteous, you see hope in the future. You don't necessarily see hope now. It mentions there, again, some things going on there. In verse number 14, it says, The Lord will enter into judgments with the ancients of the people, with the princes thereof. For ye have eaten up the vineyard. The spoil of the poor is in your house. In other words, the leadership has stolen and raped and, and ruined the country. It mentions the princes, the ancients. It says, "What mean ye to beat up my people to pieces and grind their face, grind the faces of the poor?" saith the Lord of Bolsh. They're abusing their places of power. You know, I, I look at this and I say, you know, this seems this this in some ways seems to be like many of the countries today. I mean, uh, oppressing their people, abusing their people, misusing their people. It mentions crushing or beating up on the people, grinding the poor, making it harder for the poor who are already poor. In the end, despite all this going on, despite all this trouble and these difficulties and this chastisement that's coming on in this country, it says, it shall be well with him, the righteous, it says, in verse number, to say to the righteous, it shall be well with him. For he shall eat the fruit of of his doings. In the end, after all this is done, it shall be well with the righteous. No matter what, the righteous will inherit heaven. No matter what, they will be on the victor's side. No matter what, they will reign in the millennial kingdom. No matter what, on and on we can go. Despite difficulties, the Bible says it shall be well. You know, that's the same statement that's used with the Shunammite woman when she was asked about how things were going. She said, it shall be well. It wasn't well at that time. Her son was dead. But she said, it shall be well. And it was well in the end. You know, we think about dealing with difficulties. We think about, well, maybe our country's going through the most uh, worst difficulties ever. Well, I mean, I read through this text and I just... I, I just read that it's really, 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 really bad here. And they're being chastised of the Lord. And, and the people are proud. Verse number 16 talks about them being haunting. They walk with their necks straight forth. They're wanton, walking about. Think about, you know, Americans today. You know, we're cool, we're neat, we're big, we're proud, we're the best, whatever it might be. And I think about all that kind of stuff. And they're all the... Coles, it mentions their bonnets and ornaments and all this kind of thing in verse number 16. Their chains, their bracelets, their mufflers, their nose rings, their all this kind of stuff. And I think to myself, whoa, they got lots of stuff. They got cool stuff. They got neat stuff. They got wonderful, uh, awesome stuff. Everybody says their glasses, their fine linen, their hoods, their veils. They got all this stuff. The Bible says in verse 24, it shall come to pass that instead of sweet smell, there shall be stinking. Instead of a girdle of rent, instead of of wet wet set hair, there's going to be baldness. Instead of a stomach or a, a girdle of sackcloth, there'll be burning instead of beauty. You know, you can dress up, you can look cool, you can look neat, you can think you're big, you're all these kind of stuff. And that's really how this country and this people were they were proud they're puffed up they're big in themselves they they wore the biggest and the best and and you know people can brag and i heard just recently you know our president bragging oh we've got the greatest economy in the world i thought about myself really even if we do you only have the greatest economy because it's propped up do you understand that I mean, I think about our economy. If our economy ran like a regular business, we would be bankrupt. That's the reality. We'd be bankrupt. I mean, I'm not here to, again, pour on America, but I'm to poo poo on America. But again, you say, how do we do it so well? Well, if you take and spend 1.2 or 3 or 4 trillion dollars and and give it to government schools and you give it to state institutions and you give it to these different people and they spend money and they have money. They're going to spend money and there's going to be lots of money for a time. But then when that dries up, then what do you got to do again? We have got to do it again and, and prop it up again and continue to do this again. And someone says, why are things going up? Because there's so much fake Money, in a sense, in our, in our, in our economy and in our, in our institutions, and money is being spent like you can't believe. I was talking to a realtor in town, and Jim, you know, most of you guys would know the realtor in town, Jim Jensen. i I seen his dad, too, and I said, you know, last four or five years, things in, in Valley City just about have doubled the housing has. Same houses, nothing different with them. But the price of houses i said they're, they're about double what they were just four or five years ago that's a 20 percent increase per year someone says well that's good for those that own houses but i'm saying what is it for the person that doesn't own a house and you say well the houses go up i understand that but at the same time if everything that goes in the house goes up that's a that's a totally different story too i mean we had some damage to our roof from a tree and i i just i was just shocked i mean I was glad insurance was paying the money, but when I'm pulling out pieces of pine that I used to buy for you know a third of what they used to cost, I thought to myself, how do how do people build anything? I mean, a, a pine board, a one by six prime board, a one by eight pine board, whatever it might be, over a dollar a foot. I Thought to myself, how do you pay for that? A dollar a foot? This this wasn't high grade pine. If I wanted to buy a one by eight, like eight foot long, that'd be $22. One inch, eight foot long, nice fine wood, $22. How about the $10 ones? The $10 ones that have lots of knots, you know, and things like that. And I I was using them just to be covered over by some shingles and things like that. And I thought, how do people pay for this stuff? And I looked at some other things, I was just like, wow, this is just amazing. I bought some concrete twice as much as it was pre-pandemic. I mean, $4.49 for a concrete? Someone says, Well, that's cheap. That's not cheap. I used to buy it $2.19 for the same concrete. And I used to buy it sometimes at 129 or 59 if it was on sale. You know, someone says, Well, things are just roaring as our economy's going. We're we're getting more and people are getting paid more. Well, you've got to get paid more if things cost more. Anyways, I'm getting off on this, but I'm just saying, you see at this point in their history, things are not going well. Things are tough. It mentions that the, the men uh, shall fall by the sword and the mighty in the war and the gates shall lament and, and mourn and they shall be desolate and shall sit on the ground. You know, I think about times of difficulty, and you see a lot of people that are in times of difficulty, and they certainly are in a place where they are distressed, as it mentions there, and in a, in a difficult situation. You know, we look at our country, look around the world, and, and to some it might seem very bright. But maybe it's not so bright. But even in all this, I want us to understand when it comes to dealing with difficulties, Throughout all history in the Bible, there's been difficulties. And there's been tremendous difficulties at times. You know, our country may be going through some difficulties, our community, our church, or whatever it might be, your family, uh, you yourself and your personal life could be going through a bunch of difficulties. And certainly, again, that's a normality. I want you to understand it's normality for you to have difficulties and disappointments and distresses. But how should we who are on the Lord's side look at these things? Verse number 10, it says, say to the righteous, it shall be well with them. You shall eat the fruit of your doings. You're going to reap from what you sow. Turn to Psalm 115. You're going to reap of what you sow. If you sow to the spirit, you sow uh, to the flesh, you're going to reap different harvests. And again, those that were sowing to the flesh were going to be Again, uh, dealing with a lot of troubles, and even the righteous would have to go through some troubles because as a nation and as a whole, a lot of the nation is going the wrong way, and so God's going to chasten the nation as a whole, and, and God will chasten a nation as a whole. If there is a remnant seeking to do right and follow the will of God, we're, we're going to be along with that chastening also, but it shall be well. Psalm 115 here in verse number uh, 12 Through verse number 15, Psalm 115 and uh, verse number 12 through verse 15, it says, The Lord hath been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. The Lord shall increase you more and more, ye and your children. Ye are blessed, the Lord which have made heaven and earth. And then it goes on in verse number 18, I just want to read this. It says, but we will bless the Lord for, from this time forth and forevermore. Praise ye the Lord. God will bless his people in, in difficult times. God will help his people through difficult times. There are ways in which we can cope with difficult times. And I certainly am not the best at sometimes coping with tribulation and, and tough times and, and difficult times. But there are people in the Bible that set example for us. The Bible says in Acts 14, it says, Through much tribulation we shall enter the kingdom of God. I don't think we understand that very well as Christians. Through much tribulation we shall enter into the kingdom of God. Let's turn to Romans chapter 8. The whole creation, the whole creation is a place of tribulation even today. It talks about this in Romans chapter 8, verse number 22. It says here, for you know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth and pain together until now. And it says, not only they, but ourselves, which are the first fruits of the Spirit. For we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. You know, the creation is moaning and groaning and travailing and pain till now. And Christians are waiting for the adoption. That new body that awaits them. You know, you look at the history of tribulation. You'll see, again, the history of difficulties. It it goes back to the very beginning. Adam and Eve, again, they they suffered the tragedy of death in their family. The death of Abel. And Abraham, he had the test of going to the country, which was was the will of God, yet having difficulty. In that country. Noah was doing right during a time that nobody else really was doing right In the eyes of the Lord and he was just and doing all those things, he had to went to a, a, a time of difficulty. He had to spend a lot of time building an ark for his family and for the animals to escape the devastation of a coming flood. Difficulty is all throughout history. You can find it in the garden of eden a perfect place that you find it in the first family you find it with famines throughout history you find it with family issues that and, and, and troubles that that come different people's way you find it sometimes because of mistakes made because we just did the wrong thing when we we're supposed to do something else We make fleshly decisions rather than spiritual decisions and we suffer as a result of that. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 17. But despite, again, the things that we go through, we find grace come through with God. We see grace come through with God. We make decisions sometimes that make, uh, make things more difficult for God, for uh, God, in a sense, to bless us, in a sense. But yet he sends grace nonetheless. In uh, chapter 16, I'm not going to read through there, but in chapter 16, you find uh, Sarai and Abram at that time. They make a a very unwise decision of trying to, to bear a child uh, outside their own family. And yet God gives grace in the next chapter. Genesis 17, verse 1, it says, And when Abram was ninety-nine years and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto I am the Almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and and multiply thee exceeding. Abram fell on his face and talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name be any more Abram, but it shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, I will make nations to come of thee, and kings shall come of thee, and it goes on and mentions all these things about God giving him a blessing, despite him trying to run ahead from run ahead of God and, and tried to provide a child by Hagar. You see in verse number fifteen it says, and, and God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, thy wife, thou shalt not call them Sarai, but Sarah shall thou call her. And I will bless her and give thee her uh, son Al- Give thee a son to her also, yea, I will bless her, and she shall be the mother of many nations. Kings of people shall come on there. And uh, again, you find out that God's going to bless them with a child. Of course, Abram thinks it's Ishmael they're talking about. In verse number 20, it's not Ishmael. In fact, he says, God tells them who the child's name will be. It says, Thou shalt call his name Isaac. It mentions their the Wife's going to bear a son, and you'll call his name Isaac. Which is the son of promise, and uh, anyways, and it says in verse number twenty-eight. But my, my covenant I will establish with Isaac, which thou shalt bear in the next year. And he left off talking with them. God went up from Abram. You know they went through a lot of difficulties there, Abram, or Abram or Abraham and and Sarah, Sarai. Yeah, but God yet get uh, show grace and gave them some needful things in the future. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 21. They went through some difficulties. Certainly, again, if you went through the, their life, again, they were to be the father of many nations. They would be blessed and all that kind of thing. And you see in Genesis chapter 21, you find them finally conceived this child. In verse number two, uh, verse number two it says, For Sarah conceived and bare Abram a son in his old age at the set time which God had spoken. Abram called the, the name of the son that was born unto him whom Sarah bare named Isaac. And, and Abraham circumcised his son, Isaac, uh, being eight years old and he com- as he was commanded. And, and Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born. You know, think of the life of Abraham, and I'm not going through the trials of Abraham and the tribulations of Abraham, but he went through a lot. He went through a, a lot. He went through all kinds of things, and all these kinds of things were there for for a, a place to help him to become what he should be for for God, and uh, what was it that God wanted him to be or to become? A man of faith, a man of trust, a man of faith and a man of trust. You see, why do tribulations come into my my life or someone's life to help us to become men of and women of faith and men and women of trust? Let's turn to Job. Uh, chapter 13, why did, why did Job go through so, so much? Why, why is Job this book in the Bible given to us? It's, it's a book that shows us, again, that though that many things can go wrong in a person's life, though many trials and tribulations and, and setbacks and, and things can be taken away from a person's life, God's will for us is that we would, in the end, trust him. Job says this in Job 13, verse number 15, though he slay me, yet will I trust him, Though, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. Now, Job wasn't going to give up or quit or give in or, or any of those kind of things. He was just going to keep on going. He saw the funeral of his kids. He saw the destruction of his house and his household. He seen the destruction of his cattle. He seen the destruction of his servants. He seen the mistrust of his wife and all these kind of things. Yet in the uh He trusted him. Job said this in Job 17, verse 9, the righteous shall lay hold on his way and he that hath clean shall be stronger and stronger. These things were to make Job what he should be for God. And so what does God want us to do in difficulties? He wants us to trust him. Let's turn to Psalm chapter 112. Psalm chapter 112. Now, I just want to mention this it's hard to do. This is harder to do than a lot of things. I mean, it's easy sometimes to work. It's easy sometimes just to go and do uh, whatever you might do in life. And it might be easy in in some ways just to do things out of duty or or be able to do this, that, and the other thing. But our goal should be for ourselves to trust Him. Psalm 112, verse number 5, it says, A good man show a favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion, Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His his heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see the desire of his enemy. He hath dispersed, he hath given the poor his righteousness and dearth forever. Just want to stop there. You know, verse number seven, it says he's not going to be afraid of evil tidings. You know, there could be bad news, so to speak not to be concerned about bad news. His heart is fixed, trusting the Lord. He's not going to be afraid, verse number 8. His heart is established. And he continues to do what he should be doing. It mentions he had dispersed, he had given to the poor. And so what do we do in difficult times? What should we do in difficult times? We need to trust the Lord. And secondly, let me just say this. What should we do in difficult times? We need to, secondly, wait on the Lord. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter forty. These things that Judah and Jerusalem would experience during that time are not things that you could just say, well, maybe tomorrow everything's going to be over. It's going to be good and it's going to be easy. And, and we're going to see the return of you know, the righteous. We're going to see again food on the table. We're going to see again much provision and whatever it might be. No, these things would take time for them to come to pass. And so the second thing we need to do in, in difficult times is not only to trust the Lord, but we need to wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 29, it says, He giveth power to the faint, and to them that hath no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up as wings as eagle. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And so what should we do? Wait. Pastor, what should we do? We need to wait. You know, sometimes, in a sense, you need to wait it out. Sometimes you just need to, to take some time to say, you know, we just need to continue to do what's right to do, what's good to do, what's best to do. We need to speak. We need to preach. We need to teach. We need to tend to do that which is right. And in the end, we'll see the salvation of the Lord. As Moses did, he said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. didn't look good but the salvation of the Lord will come. And so let's turn to Psalm chapter 15. I'm going to close with Psalm chapter 15. As we think about what you do in, in difficult times, we need to trust in the Lord, we need to wait on the Lord, and we need to continue to follow the Lord. You know, that's something that I, I see seemingly not going so well with some Christians, Their their ideas of following the Lord just falling off. I mean, following the Lord, I mean, it sounds simple, but just following the Lord. I mean, I mean, despite the tears, the burdens, the troubles that you might be experiencing, the difficulties you're traveling through, you need to continue to follow the Lord. It's not time to quit. It's not time to give up. It's not time to give in. Psalm chapter 15, verse number 12. Uh, Psalm Psalm chapter 15, verse number 2. Sorry about that. Let me just read the whole chapter. It's so short. Psalm 15, verse 1, it says, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly, that worketh righteousness, and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor uh, doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is condemned. But he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changes not." He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent, he that doeth these things shall never be moved. And so just walk uprightly. Work righteousness. Do that which is right according to the word of the Lord. Trust the Lord. Wait on the Lord and continue to follow the Lord. That's all that these people could do. That's sometimes all that we can do. In other words, hold the gods away. Stay the course. That's the right thing to do. Let's close as we consider the Word of God here this morning.